0: Welcome everyone to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollack. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. We have a great show today. Chef Gene, take it away. Welcome everyone to the Food Farms and Chefs show. Today we have two wonderful guests. We start off the episode with Mandy Lewis from Sinful Bliss Desserts, which are an outstanding line of alcohol infused desserts available in jars or in truffles. We then have a great interview with Jersey Gonzalez Arroyo, executive chef and personal chef of I cook for you, personal chef services. Jersey's Latin and Latin infused cuisine is the hit of celebrities, athletes and companies through the Princeton, Philadelphia, New York market. At this time it's such a wonderful honor to introduce to you Mandy Lewis, the owner and founder of Sinful Bliss Desserts, which is an incredible alcohol-infused dessert company. The opportunity to provide sugar and alcohol in one great dessert or one great item. Mandy, you are my hero for that idea. Welcome to Food Farms and Chess.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: So, Mandy, tell us a little bit about where you got you know, your start, what background you have to come up and, and come up with the idea of sinful desserts, uh, a little bit about your background, if you're, you know, background in, in the restaurant industry or the food industry, and then really what was your motivation to, you know, start sinful desserts and how it all came about?
1: Sure. So. My background, I, for years, I was a restaurant manager um, for Longhorn Steakhouse and and a few other places. And, um, but my passion was for people. So I was out talking to tables and um, helping within the back of the house and the front of the house. Um, But my, I was out of water. I was definitely a fish out of water when it came to the actual cooking. Um, I do not have a background in like any, professional training when it comes to to cooking or baking. I really kind of taught myself. Um, And from there, I kind of went into the corporate world, and um, I went into healthcare when a whole completely different realm. But when I was um, in my corporate job, I was stressed out. I was going back to school to get my master's. I had kids at home, and I used baking as a way to just relieve stress and to be creative and to to really... um, embrace my creative side. So I started just tooling around in the kitchen. And my husband, um, bless his heart, like he would eat anything that I made for him that I created. And he just was my guinea pig. And he tried everything. Um, and had you asked me 10 years ago, if this is where I would find myself, I definitely would have laughed hysterically. Um, I was not good in the kitchen at all, but over the years, I've kind of developed a knack and I really kind of bake from the place of what I like, um, and comfort. And when I go to create my desserts, um, it's really about finding things that work well and blend well together. I want you to enjoy the dessert. So, um, that's kind of what I do now, um. Where it kind of sprang from is I was stressed out all the time and really, kind of uh, I started posting on social media and people were like, oh wow, where can I buy them? My answer is always yes. I'll figure out the logistics later. Uh, so we started out just as a regular bakery, mobile bakery, going to events, but we did cupcakes and cakes. Um, I did my first wine festival out of Oaks, Pennsylvania, um, at sure, the convention know that, center know that. and. Oh, it's great! Like, right? So I was like, oh, I don't know, we're doing a wine festival. Let's make some alcoholic cupcakes and see how it goes. So I had some alcoholic cupcakes, some regular, um, and people loved them. By the end of the event, they were like, listen, just put the alcoholic icing on the cake, cupcake. We'll eat it. And I was like, but what? I can charge you. They were like, no, no, no. We'll pay the price. We just like they like the combinations, the flavor profiles. Um, and then I was like, okay. I guess we found our niche, so from there we haven't looked back, and everything we create is made with alcohol
0: so in addition to your line of cupcakes, you also do some jarred desserts as well, and I love your marketing uh play that you have based on sinful desserts about you know the original sin, so you have you know la, <laughs> which is a chocolate cake that's infused with Guinness. You have Pride, which is a lemon vodka and lemon cello. I mean, Greed, which is, you know, Brandy, Peach Cobbler. Really, really creative lines. What was the inspiration behind that?
1: Well, my full name is Samandy, and it's CY. And so my best friend, I was trying to come up with a name for my company, and she was like, well, let's look at your name. We can do a play on that. And she was like, well, you're kind of naughty and nice. So she came up with sinful bliss and I was like, Oh my gosh, I loved it. And we spelled it the way my name was spelled. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Once we got that, like it just made sense that our product line were the seven deadly sins. Um, And that's what we started out with. And we quickly discovered that we do a little more sinning than that. So we added our deception line, which is our four newest flavors. Um, But we do cakes and cheesecakes and cup and cobblers and puddings and really, Once we started jarring everything, and that was just out of necessity, right? We were doing cupcakes, and they don't travel well. People got to eat them within two days. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, we have so much waste. If we don't sell them at this event, then, you know, trying to find that perfect balance of having enough, not selling out, um, but having knowing that you have have to trash the rest. Um, We started jarring just to be like, okay, well, this is a way to kind of manage that waste. And what we discovered was, oh, my gosh, it's so much easier. This this increases my shelf life. We use glass jars. So um, they're also recyclable. So what the great thing about that was instead of my customers having to hurry up and eat that cupcake in two days, they now have three weeks to enjoy a dessert where, oh, well, I don't have to rush and eat this. Or I can have a couple of bites. I can put the lid back on and I can go back to it so it was it was fun um they look great but more important the practicality of it and it's a lot less waste you can reuse your jars you can do other things with them um and and we felt like this is a way that we can help um, our community and 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 make a a less of an impact on the earth in in the process
0: well what a wonderful idea in one of our segments in 2021 we featured uh, simply good jars, which is a concept that does us in jars, mm. and how wonderful yeah. that is. They were, but that that whole jarring concept where people can have them, they can use them, they can use them for other things. Yeah. You know, they could mm-hmm. easily transport them to give them. So you know, kudos to yes. you on doing that. Can you tell us about the we are expanded lines? So you have gluttony, you have pride, you have greed. You have sloth, you have wrath, and then I believe Mm -hmm. you have duplicity, jealousy, treachery, which are some new ones you have out there. So what Uh are the flavors? That's our deception um, line. Yes. So tell us a a little bit about the flavors of your different ones.
1: So we started for the holidays, we would make, um, we tried to do some seasonal flavors. Right, and when we were doing those in the beginning, we did not name them. They were whatever they were—a like salted caramel apple cheesecake. That's duplicity. Um, and then people were like, "But I want these all year round." Um, and so we were like, "Oh, okay." Uh, so I went from seven to now having a line of eleven desserts. But with, with that deception line, it really were about like the best of the best, the cream of the crop that people were always coming back looking for. Um, and I do things on a spectrum. So some things are lighter and some things are a little bit stronger depending on um, what our customers are looking for. Um, one of the, when we first started, one of the biggest feedbacks we received was, but I can't taste the alcohol. You say it, it just tastes like a really good dessert. And I'm like, listen, my philosophy is simple. I want it to taste good. I want the dessert to be the first thing you enjoy, and then you get the alcohol on the back end. It is there to support the dessert, but the dessert is the star of the show. She is the diva. She is the headliner. The alcohol is simply backup singer. It's there to support and not steal the show or steal the spotlight. So that's really our philosophy they when we go to create them. So what duplicity that is that well, uh, caramel apple cheesecake.
0: Yeah. Yes, I I, I I saw that, and I immediately fell in love. It's one of one of the great combinations of flavor that you can go with, salted mm-hmm. caramel, the creamy cheese stick, and then when you add in the apple mm-hmm. as well. What's the alcohol in that one?
1: Yeah. So that is a salted caramel whiskey with a salted caramel baileys and then a salted caramel, um, then apple pie moonshine soaked apples are mixed throughout. So what we do with each component of our desserts are – um, seasoned and flavored with your alcohol, and then they are combined to make a complete dessert. So we make the cheese. The cheesecake itself is done with your, your salted caramel whiskey, your salsa caramel baileys, right? But then we make the apples. The apples are done with a um, apple pie moonshine. We use that jersey shine. Um, whenever op- opportunities arrive that we can use local um, spirits, we do that because we want to support other small businesses and local distilleries any opportunity that we, that we get. So we use that in, in the um, apples. And then we also add an apple brandy in that, and we season our apples like an apple pie. Once we do that, then we combine the apples to the cheesecakes that sell and we create the actual dessert. So it's not like, Oh, I have, I have the cheesecake, but I really don't taste anything. Or I have the apples, but they don't kind of mesh and blend well together that's, it's always a harmony. It's a balance.
0: Well, I love that you use a lot of local distilleries. I know, you know, Jersey shine is one that produces a great product here in Philadelphia. We have yeah. Philadelphia distilling. I don't know if you work with them, but they mm-hmm. make a salt, uh salted caramel moonshine that I use when I'm cooking um, instead of an Italian rum cake, I will make a cake and I will just pour their salted caramel moonshine over the top of that. That's all I need. I'm good with that the rest of the day. Or the day usually gets a little shorter after a couple pieces of that. But, you know, so <laughs> thank you for supporting other small business and bringing awareness of how to cook with alcohol. People don't understand how to do that and do it effectively and blend those those tastes together. So, you know, you really fell upon something here. That is unique. Was that a learning curve for you how to infuse everything with alcohol or do you have some knowledge of that or really just a lot of experimentation?
1: Um, So it was really kind of trial and error. Um, I I cook to taste so I started out with small batches and I would cook to kind of what I liked and I'm not a person where there are some some cakes where people believe more alcohol equals better. I do not come from that school of thought. Again, I look for a balance. I want you to enjoy it. I want the dessert. Like, cake shouldn't burn going down. I know it sounds crazy, but to no, cook no. with it and then then pour it over and then soak it in a cheese, that's too much for me. Like, I want to enjoy it. Just like if I go to a bar and I sit down and I have a drink. I want the drink to be smooth. I want it to blend well together. It's really how you layer your alcohols and what alcohols you pair together that – it's it's um, it's a delicate balance. It can be done where you can still be like, ooh, like that, that duplicity, that salted caramel apple, you're going to taste the alcohol. You're going to taste that whiskey. You're going to taste that moonshot. But it's not the first thing you taste. The very first thing you taste is the dessert. Then you get it on the back end and you're like, oh, oh, there it is. Oh, there she is, my friend. And you get that. But it can be done where it's not um, – it's not overpowering or it's not too much
0: so you've recently come out with a line of truffles as well uh, one of my favorite things <laughs> yes. and something I strongly suggest to all our corporate listeners out there who may be looking for gifts for their you know employees for some of their clients you know any of your desserts which you could buy in various quantities and packages are wonderful because of the shelf life and that, but truffles just say, "You know, thank you. We appreciate you in such a special way." Tell us a little bit about you know how you got into that. I mean, being a chocolatier and making truffles is a whole different world than doing <laughs> some you know cakes and, and things like that. It's a, it's an entirely different process.
1: It, it really is. Um, and what's what's funny is is that I it's it's very. Timed you really need to know and temper your chocolate and all of that And if anyone you speak to that is really not my process And I come from an organic place and my desserts will usually Tell me what they what they are going to be right? So when I go in and I create my truffles our truffles, we do everything from nice and light um, such as um, a Bailey's um, ganache truffle To, for the holidays, we do a peppermint bark truffle that's done with um, white chocolate. We'll use rum chata, like a peppermint rum chata, some peppermint pieces in there too. Um, And so we capture all of those flavors. Chocolate is such a forgiving, um, strong, potent flavor that you kind of got to punch it up a notch. Um, And that, again, is, for me, it's trial and error and taste. Like I taste everything. So, you know, one year we did a a Pinot Noir truffle. The Pinot Noir is very light. Um, It got lost very easily in the chocolate, so I paired it with um, some cayenne, a little bit of spice. That spice really made the um, Pinot Noir pop and come through in the chocolate. It's little things like that of tasting it and going, okay, well, I'm not getting that. Or I'll walk through the alcohol aisles and I look... At alcohols differently, I'm looking at, ooh, what do I, when I look at this, what do I taste? I feel like that's a caramel. We do a Hennessy caramel. Um, and Hennessy, like for me, I prefer to drink Cavassier um, versus Hennessy because I find Hennessy to be a little um, stronger for me in my taste. But what I do is once I pair that, because it is such a, a potent flavor that's so rich, we pair that with a caramel. And it comes through beautifully in the chocolate. And that one bite, it just really kind of explodes in your mouth. And it's it's not overpowering. You get you get to taste all the layers within that truffle, and it, it and it comes through just beautifully. So when we make those our truffles, we usually do like a eight pieces. It's usually a variety pack. Um, we have everything from bourbon 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 creams. Um, that's that's a nice mellow one. I like that one as well. Um, that peppermint bark, the Hennessy caramel. We do a Jameson's ganache, um, and then every year I'm always looking to create something new. Um, this year we created a ginger a gingerbread truffle with a gingerbread cream liqueur. That was it was nice, and it just it tasted like the season.
0: One of the I mean, people don't understand or realize how wonderful it is to pair alcohol and sugar together. Many Mm. years ago, I teach a lot of wines and I teach spirits. And as a chef, I was asked to put together for a small group of friends a cupcake and wine pairing. And it became a much bigger to do with hundreds of people. And we really spent a lot of time with a gourmet cupcake bakery um, that was out. King and Prussia area and taking theirs and going down to a wine store and really sitting down mm-hmm. and thank God we had, you know, a driver because by the end of the day, none of us were able to get behind a wheel, but, you know, tasting each cupcake with different wines and different flavors. And then we added in spirits and, and did so much. And you are so right. The addition of things like cayenne and
1: you know, mm-hmm. some
0: spices really brings out mm-hmm. great, great flavors. And to be able to blend right. those two together is, is a fabulous experience. So the fact that you could bring this to the general public on a day-to-day basis in both your jars and your truffles, is just a wonderful thing. So I encourage our listeners to get out there and, and really try, you know, your products and you, and we can find them in so many different places, obviously online, but we can also, you know, during the holiday season, you were down a little bit at the Christmas Village. But most importantly, yes. you have a kiosk now in the Fashion District in Philadelphia, I understand, right?
1: Yes, we're down at Ninth and Market in the Fashion District um, on the concourse level. And it's been great. This past year has been challenging, as everyone knows, um, with COVID and trying to figure out, like, are we staying open? What's happening? But it's it's been a wonderful opportunity um, to be able to be out there in front of folks and for folks to know where they can come get us at any time. And, and instead of just seeing us at events, and we, like, we do, you'll never know where you're going to find us. Like, we, we do events up in um, Buffalo, and we just finished up at Chris Kindlemart um in Bethlehem, but we were also in Baltimore. Um, we do, the, we did the flower show this past year. So, and it's great seeing customers that come back and they're like, I remember I saw you here. Um, and so now people are like, oh, but I can just order online and they ship to us. I was like, yep. That way you can get us anytime you need
0: us. Well, the fashion district to me as a man, and I'm going to speak only as a man here, is such a (laughs) wonderful thing. My wife is in retail fashion. So when we go to places like the fashion district or when we travel, I don't really have an interest in fashion. I'm lucky if I could match outfits. (laughs) But now I can go and I can have a wonderful dessert that has a little alcohol infused into it as she shops. So what an absolutely Absolutely. great treat for the men out there in the world who are accompanying their families or, you know, uh, I'm a father of daughters. I have, you know, four daughters. Those shopping trips were absolutely (laughs) terrorizing to me. So, you know, now we have this getaway in the fashion district that we can go and we can have a little bit of chocolate. We don't have to stray too far. You know, at some point in time, okay. if it gets a little anxious, I could take one to my wife. So, you know, what a great opportunity to blend those two things together. Just, you know, yeah. great and this, success. It's
1: been wonderful. It. It's been great
0: seeing everybody. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're providing a public service at the same time. So... You know, it's a, It really is a great match in that. What are your number top three selling flavors?
1: Mm, I would say Gluttony, which is our take on an Irish Car Bomb. Um, so that's that Guinness Stout chocolate cake with the Jameson's chocolate ganache and the Bailey's buttercream icing. I would say Lust, which is that white chocolate liqueur cheesecake with a sangria mixed berries. And your mixed berries are blueberries and cherries. And that third one is a toss-up between duplicity and treachery. Treachery is that sweet potato cheesecake with rum chata and honey bourbon. And people, no matter the time of year, it's always one of our top sellers, especially when we sample it, because a lot of folks will say, oh, I'm really, I'm not a sweet potato person. And then they'll try it and they'll be like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. But it's that, you know, honey bourbon goes really well with that rum chata in a cheesecake. And it's, it's one of my favorites.
0: So I can come down to Fashion District. I might have to sample all these, I think. And, you know, are you there uh, five to six days? Well, Fashion District's open seven days a week, so I can come down. and Can I get all your different desserts down there, or is it rotate in and out?
1: They do rotate. Um, you can usually get them all there, but they do rotate depending on, like, how busy we are sometimes the greed is a seasoned dessert. Like we soak our peaches in peach E and J for about a week and a half to two weeks. So that one you won't always be able to get there because our peaches might not be ready um, to, to make a dessert yet, but for the most part, you can get all, all 11 of our flavors down at the fashion
0: district. One of the other very unique things I saw on your website when I was looking through it, I'm a big collector of unique shirts and i make a lot of alcohol myself at home i make lemon cello and orange cello and basil cello Mm. and i make a chocolate cream liqueur and then i make something that's very specific to the coal region of pennsylvania which i think we should talk about as a local one it's called boilo and boilo uh if you looked it up on the internet Google would tell you that Boyolo is the coal miner's cure for everything. It's very specific to the coal region of Pennsylvania, but it's just wonderful honey, cinnamon, citrus, Mm. uh, grain alcohol, Mm. and cheap whiskey blend that uh, is made up here in the coal region of Pennsylvania. But they have unique shirts, too, that say Got Boyolo. So I love your T-shirt, and I'm actually going to go online and order some of them for my daughters. That says, you know, what's your sin? You know, what a great concept <laughs> of getting that market out there and looking at just fun, unique, you know, different ways to enjoy what you're doing. Will you be at the flower show again this year?
1: We have applied. We're waiting. Um, we're waiting to get notified. We hope to be. Um, it, the nice thing is it'll, it'll be back outside and that was fantastic this year so we have already applied so hopefully we'll be there
0: I was involved in the flower show last year I had some retail down there as well and yes what an absolutely fabulous opportunity so different to be down there and this year it's gonna. I think you'd be a little mm-hmm. better as we learn from things that didn't work out well and you know, moving around a little bit, you know, the challenges with outdoor flower show and bad weather and things like that. But uh, yes, I I <laughs> right. do remember you being there. Yes. I mean it was it, you know, it was very unique. It you know, I didn't expect that that bill of trying to dig our trucks out of the mud and things like that. But, you know, they it worked out <laughs> and it was a <laughs> right. great show, you know. So It
1: was like and it was so nice to see everything out in in nature as well.
0: And and what is pouring into FDR parks too and you know, the renewed interest in the history of the park and you know, now the mm-hmm. exhibits that are down there they remain. So, you know, what a wonderful opportunity. You have anything else coming up in the near future that people can find you at or that are different and you know, people should be looking yes. for you at?
1: Yes, we will be at um we'll be in the Bronx actually at the New York Botanical Garden. Uh, Every weekend in January, starting on the 8th. So we'll be doing that um, for the next three weekends, but that'll be awesome. And it's so nice to get out and kind of be out in the world and, and seeing and meeting different people and meeting our customers where they are.
0: And I'm going to do a quick shout-out to Restaurant Associates here at Longwood Gardens. Say, pay attention to that, because I think that that's a fabulous idea. And if I were you, I would be reaching out to that, or I would be reaching out to Mandy saying, how do we get you out here at Longwood Gardens? But that's just me. So um, anything (laughs) else? Well, we'd
1: love to be out there. Hey, I I Um, think it's important. um, Yeah, we are – usually our our slow season is january february and march so we're always looking and reaching out we do a a bunch of wine festivals throughout new jersey um as part of new jersey wine events they're great and um they're all throughout um south jersey central jersey and north jersey so we'll be there as well and this year we're doing the new jersey state fair again
0: great a great event in itself with great foods and you're only making it better in that aspect. So any discussions for further expansion, like a food truck or anything like that, uh, you know, looking at that world of taking it out there and, and you know, doing some wonderful other things in the city. Uh, there's so much I can certainly talk to you about it. I will certainly do that about, you know, how to, you know, get out at some of these other wonderful events. I mean, I, I look forward to having you, you know, at some of the city's best things in, wow we would
1: love to be a part of that
0: um
1: we are looking at a food truck and trying to figure out um the best way to go about that for this year um we also are looking since we're doing a line of um different music festivals and um um the state fairs we're looking to add a line of donuts where we can fill our donuts with our infusions so (laughs) More to come with wonderful. that.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So as we wind down here, Mandy, how can people find your products online? How can people follow you on social media? Give us uh, all the contact information anybody would need <laughs> to be able to get your desserts today online. Absolutely.
1: Our website is www.sinful, sinful spelled C Y N F U L bliss b l i s s. dot com. Um, On Instagram, we are at sinful.bliss, and we also have a Facebook page, Sinful Bliss, and Twitter account as well.
0: Thank you so much. It was a great opportunity for our listeners to really learn a lot about your products. They're so unique. For our corporate listeners out there, absolutely fabulous gifts for the holiday season or any time of year. Thank you. And for just anybody out and about that comes upon your desserts, strongly recommended. Fabulous combinations, really deep, intense flavor profiles. As a chef, the one thing I seek for, or I, I look for at all foods, do the flavors, you know, do they build upon each other? And the one thing I could say about yours is they do. You really hit well, it. I thank for, you for having no. You know, culinary background, you were able to accomplish that. So, thank you so much. Great to have you on our show and we look forward to having you back. Excellent. And Thank you, be- Chef.
1: It's been an absolute
0: pleasure. Thank you. We will be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, to Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time, an FM station in New York, and to the millions of Facebook users worldwide with access to the Facebook mobile app, send us an email to either Food Farms and Chefs at Yahoo.com or Dining on a Dime at Yahoo.com. And we're back. Chef Gene, take it away. It is a great honor and privilege to introduce to our listeners, Jersey Gonzalez Arroyo, personal chef, executive chef, founder of I Cook for You Personal Chef Services at icook 4 Jersey, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Great plug to have you with us today
2: hello it's a pleasure to be here thanks for having me
0: so you have a really unique segment that we don't touch upon a lot in the industry and you are a personal chef Um, something that a lot of people do not understand that we're really going to demystify and talk about during the show and you have an incredible client list of celebrities and athletes and corporations and go that routine, uh, just you know, really diverse. But how did this all come about? What was your early inspiration? And I'm not talking, you know, where you went to school because we'll get into that. But, you know, something inside you as a child had to, you know, really grab hold of you and say, this is what I want to do because you are so talented. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what that was.
2: Um, so as a kid, um, growing up, my mom really only knew how to cook the same five things and eating that every day for your life, it gets kind of boring. So the highlight of our weekend was when we went to my grandmother's house, my grandmother would make all different types of food and she always put her own little touches onto it. And the reason why I, you know, I, this is a very important part of my life is because my grandmother Just like me, I came out like her. She did not like anybody in the kitchen with her at all. I mean, no one. The only people that she taught how to cook was my oldest aunt and my oldest uncle. Everyone else was not allowed in the kitchen. But for some reason, she allowed me to be in the kitchen with her while she was cooking. So um, I actually came out like her. I don't like anybody in the kitchen. It's different in a home setting. I don't like anybody in the kitchen while I'm in the kitchen. I get a little frustrated and overwhelmed, like, get out. Um, But obviously if I, you know, while I was working in commercial kitchens and restaurants or whatever, that's a little bit different. It's like when I'm in a home setting.
0: Well, obviously inspired by that, you went
2: on to Johnson and Wales University,
0: Rhode Island, which I'm a big advocate of because it gives you a great four-year education as well as your two-year culinary inspiration and and education. From Johnson and Wales, where did you go from there?
2: From Johnson and Wales? Oh, my God, that was, like, so long ago. Um, After I graduated, I started working, I believe, at the casinos. I worked. I opened up. Uh, it, it used to be oh my god, Greenwood Gaming, it's now Parks Casino, sure. And I actually opened that up, but before it was Parks, it was Philadelphia Casino and Racetrack. That's what yeah, it was that's like. uh, <laughs> I was correct. I opened well, them up. right up
0: by me. I, I live maybe 10 minutes from there, so I can honestly say I've only been in there once in my life, but once, <laughs> I haven't I've been there
2: since. <laughs> And, and then I just went on. I mean, a lot of my chef jobs were in Philly. I worked at several restaurants in Philly, um, off of Market in Chestnut. And then um, that's actually how I had my uh, my newfound uh, passion, which was to become a personal chef. <laughs> um, so how did I actually. That come about? So I was working at a restaurant as a sous chef, and um, a guy came in. And he was like, can you make me collard greens and fried chicken? I'm like, uh, you realize we're in a Belgian restaurant, right? And he's like, oh, well, I thought chefs can make anything out of anything. I'm like, well, I mean, we can. And I was like, but all right, you know, I, I like a challenge. I definitely like a challenge. So I took that challenge. I mean, obviously we had chicken, we had flour, so I made him some fried chicken. It wasn't really collard greens, but I seasoned them like I would do collard greens, but it was really kale. And he absolutely liked it. So he came back the next day, a couple of his friends. Cooked them some meals, uh, came back again, and then he was just like, here. He was like, give my wife a call. I would like for you to be my personal chef. And I was like, all right, that's awesome, great. I had no idea what the hell a personal chef did. Ooh, am I allowed to say that? Sorry. That's okay. So, uh, and most that's how people, it actually began.
0: Most people don't understand what a personal chef does. And, you know, you can find so many great articles about you, whether on television or in print and, you know, 6ABC, CBS, you know, one of my favorites is an article done by Authority Magazine, and it talks about five things I wish somebody told me before I became a chef. I really love this article because as a culinary instructor, I spent 15 years in a classroom teaching young chefs. You nailed it right across the board with these things, you know, five things that people should know. One of them I love, really, really love, is about how to deal with people who don't understand why things cost the way they are, who have unreasonable budgets, or as you put it in the article, feel entitled. And it was so simple. It was I let people cancel a contract after I'm done. You know, we're done, you can move on. You don't like what I deliver. And I would guarantee that that plays so well for you because people who, as you explained in the article, people who don't understand the value of your time. Tell us the the real, you know, what a personal chef really does from start to finish in in just a couple of minutes synopsis so people can understand everything that you pour into doing dinner for a client.
2: So from start to finish, One, we're going to emails back and forth, back and forth. Uh, We talk about the things that you like and the things that you don't like. And in all honesty, you're never gonna remember all of the things that you don't like. So, but you know, the main topic things that you could just think of. And once we go through that consultation, I'll build a menu. Well, obviously during our conversation or through the emails, I like to do things through email. And even if we do talk on the phone, whatever that we spoke about on the email, or whatever we spoke on the phone, I will actually reiterate it in the email and say, "All right, this is what we discussed. This is what you said. This is what I'm telling you, vice versa." Um, it's just better when you have something to track. Uh, so I like to do things through email. So once we figure out how many meals you want a day, um, and this is probably going on for like a day or two, sometimes a week. Uh, because you're constantly like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I don't like monster cheese. So, oh, yes, you know, can we add duck or, you know. But once I do that, I develop the menu. Once I develop the menu, you actually have to approve it once we approve them and i do four week menu cycles so it rotates every four weeks so you're not really eating the same exact thing i mean every i do it very simple for me and for you you just know that every monday you're going to have chicken every tuesday you're going to have a steak every Wednesday you're going to have turkey and so on but it's going to be a different recipe obviously with a different starch and a different veg and it's going to be cooked differently um and every four weeks you know the menu goes back to the beginning, so that you never ever get bored, and it can always be changed, but in the beginning of the process, um before I actually start to cook, I do tell the clients like this is a base menu, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go to your house first once I go to your house, I look at your pantry, I look what you have in your fridge, and I look what you have in your freezer and I actually like the base the first week or two menu based off of what you already have in your home lifo fifo first thing, first out, last thing, first out um, I don't want anything to get you know, old or expired, especially what you have in your pantry. Things that you have in your pantry um, that I know that's going to go, it's going to get expired soon, I'll try and incorporate that. But I also do the LIFO FIFO, so I'm not just building your menu. I'm going back and forth with you to build your menu. Then I actually rotate, and I LIFO FIFO. If you, if the people out there in this world don't understand it, it's last in, or first in, first out, last in, first out, which means you're pretty much rotating everything. I'll try to use whatever you have. And then we'll go ahead and we'll go into, you know, the menu, the four-week menu cycle that we made. I do all of the groceries. Um, I do all of the menu planning. I do all of the costing, and I try to keep the cost of the food down um, because, obviously, the bulk of the price is going to be the experience of having an actual chef there. So while I'm cooking, I'm also cleaning. I'm also putting things away. I'm not just your chef. I'm really also the lady that cleans your kitchen because I the kitchen – I come into your kitchen the same way and I leave the same way that I came in. If that makes any sense, your kitchen is going to be spotless to the point where you the person me being there there's like no trace of anything. Um I do have a lot of I don't want to say a lot. I do I have had a lot of complicated customers meaning people that can be a little bit difficult, but it's not about them being difficult. It's just you know what you want and that's what you want. So I'm going to do whatever it is that you want. So it is a lot of time consuming. Um, thank God for Instacart, but it depends on the situation and it depends where I have to shop. You know, Instacart really has helped a lot um, because I'm able to do more than one person's groceries at one time. So that actually helps. And then after that, that's pretty much it. But uh, I label everything. Um, I also have to have insurance. Um, all of that information is available to you. I leave a binder of what your meals are going to be every day um, And a lot of my clients uh, like to know how many calories they're intaking So a lot of the binders I have a lot of recipes with calories and the nutrients on there as well So that you know if you want to backtrack to see what's in it
0: People don't understand you know that it's not about the cost of groceries, and and I love the example you used recently, where you talked about it's like a car. You go to get a car repair. Mm-hmm. The parts aren't the expensive part; it's the labor that goes mm-hmm. in it. So you know your value is really in that experience. In being able to give the calories, being able to rotate the food, being able to look into a pantry and say, you know, those 12 products are expired. You probably didn't know that that goes bad and that goes bad and that goes bad, but they do. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, things like spices have expirations. You know, they, they do you know, lose their flavor and lose their value. So, mm-hmm. you know, your service really is broad ranging And being a caterer is what my background is. I love when you talked about cleaning the kitchen. You said, you know, I, I leave it the way I found it. And I'm going to disagree with that because I would bet on more than one occasion, on most occasions, you actually leave it much better than the way you found it. Yep. Uh, having walked in many people's homes and looked and said, oh, This is kind of like really not a wonderful environment to be making food in. And then when we leave, everything is in its place and everything is spotless. So I'd like to say that you probably leave that kitchen much better than when you walked into it to begin with. Pretty much. (laughs) You are, have a lot of Spanish and a lot of, uh, and some kosher style to you as well. So a really unique combination of that and some of that I understand was from your grandmother. But your yep. favorite food, or what? If I asked you, you know, what's your kind of perfect food? I understand is pizza. Yep. <laughs> you know what? What? What about that? Besides the fact that it's in the restaurant industry, what we often had so you know so readily because we could just grab it and put it down and and you know eat it over top of uh, you know the countertop. But why pizza?
2: I. It's always been one of my childhood favorite foods. I just absolutely love pizza. I mean, if I'm home in an area, I do have a pizza oven. I pretty much make my own pizza. Um, and I have two little kids, and they like to get involved, so I let them make their own pizzas. But if I'm not at home making my own pizza, I'm probably getting it from – there's a pizza place around uh, Aco that's called Gallery. <laughs> that's where I get my pizza at. If I can't I'm make it at home, so I have to I have to make a road trip, is what you're telling me. Yeah. You know, because
0: our <laughs> listeners out here are are very interested in where chefs are going to go for pizza. We all have our favorite spots in the city of Philadelphia, and you know, and in the surrounding area. And I always get you know nervous when people start to talk about cheesesteaks and pizza and things like that, because we all have so you know so many opinions on it. But it's wonderful to have a recommendation for some place I'd never heard about before. And what's your favorite topping?
2: Um, I like margarita pizzas. That's okay. my favorite. The
0: simple? Mozzarella, you know, tomatoes, actually,
2: basil. Very simple, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I made this holiday season, I think you would enjoy that, is I make, uh, as I make lemon cello and orange cello, but I also make basil cello, which uh-huh. is really a simple thing to do. You know, it's it's a lot of basil that's you know, infused in vodka for into, it only takes a week to do and then you know, just a small amount of simple syrup to it. But I think that, you know, that or with some fresh mozzarella or with pizza, you'd be in heaven in that situation. Um doing that.
2: Um, did you say you make lemon Yes. Oh my gosh, I love lemon tallow. <laughs>
0: Well, you are copied on an email to me, so if you send me um an address, I'll pack you up a little care package of basil lemon orange and I also have chocolate that I make and then I have another item called boil which I'll explain to you in the email that I'll send you a, a little sample bottle of each for you to try.
2: Oh yes. Thanks. We
0: can certainly we can certainly do that. And so I understand a couple of other projects you're working on now is uh, one of the things you're you're in the process of one or two cookbooks that are not out yet, but, you know, in the future. Can you tell us a little bit about those projects?
2: So, yeah, so one is, well, I'm going, all right, so let's talk about the first one. And then the second one, it's pretty much, so the second one is pretty much all of my favorite foods and my recipes and my, you know, my little tweak to them. But the first one is my important, which is uh, kosher Spanish food. Um, it's literally taking, it's, I guess it would be pretty much like a Sephardic Jew uh, cookbook, but um, working in a synagogue, people always like, oh, well, I love Spanish food. I love Spanish food. And I'm like, okay, so that's literally what I made for the longest time when I was working at the synagogue it was just Spanish food like every day. So um, I decided to make a cookbook out of it because people were asking me for recipes all the time. And I'm like, you know what, let me just make a cookbook out of it. So um, that is my main book, the number one. Um, but it also has other things because I also have a hot sauce line and a spice and a line. So the hot sauce line is actually called Mama's, which is my what we used to call my grandmother. And the reason why I called it Mama's is because my grandmother would never leave the house without a little bottle of hot sauce in her purse. She always carried hot sauce in her purse. It was like the craziest thing. It's like the one thing that everybody remembers of my grandmother. She had passed away about five years ago. So I decided to name it after her. Um, And there's three different ones. It's a regular hot sauce. The other one is a salsa verde super hot. And then the other one is a habanero. Um, but the spices and the seasonings also are part of that line. So in the cookbook, when it comes out, hopefully it'll be in the next couple of months, you'll see, all right, well, you have to go to Mama Sofrito. It's very hard, although certain items like that don't need to be kosher, but a lot of people who really stick to the kosher laws would like to see that kosher symbol. So it's okay. You'll see that you have kosher sofrito with its mamas. And then, all right, well, you want to use your own adobo, so, all right, this is adobo that's kosher. It's really targeted. It's targeted for anybody, but it will have the kosher symbol, so everything is kosher. So if there's anyone making any kosher Spanish food, they know exactly where to go. Well,
0: that's a fabulous idea. And those ingredients, you know, I like to go with kosher ingredients whenever I can get them because for me, there's actually a quality difference. You know, and, and I mean, very simply, kosher salt. And one of the things that I did every year in teaching students to cook was first taste class was salt, where we tasted mm-hmm. white beans with different types of salt. And, you know, sea salt was obviously usually the winner, but, you know, kosher salt, because it does not have, you know, iodine and other things in it. It's a it's a simple item. It's a bigger crystal. It changes mm-hmm. how salt works. You know, so that, that – when things become kosher oftentimes it's a better quality you find that it beats all the time you know it's a better quality so you know really wonderful that you're doing that one of your your flavor mm-hmm. profile just runs the gamut i saw a <laughs> six abc interview with you where you did some vietnamese spring rolls mm-hmm. that one of my favorite items in the whole world i i have a very strong asian influence i spent a lot of time to Chinatown and in the Asian sections of Philadelphia then we can your Vietnamese spring rolls just looked to die for. I really like thought about okay, I just wanna have them come to my house and do a party with doing these and just blow my <laughs> guests away. I mean it was it was so you know unique and different.
1: What I do offer cooking classes.
0: <laughs> ah, well we're gonna talk about it at the end of the show how people can get in, get, you know, all that information to do that. Uh, and and learn a little bit more about that. When you started out, you had to, you know, hit that wall being a woman chef. And I know you spoke about this a little bit about, you know, the perception of a woman in the kitchen versus a man. And how did you overcome all that? Because people think that great chefs or personal chefs, and you know, with the exception of one or two celebrities, still need to be men. How did you overcome all that obstacle and, and really market yourself and develop the client base that you have which is so impressive?
2: Um, you know, it's funny because out in the world, in the restaurants, in the food industry, it's a lot of men. But if it was like at home, it's like, oh, the woman belongs in the kitchen. Um, it, was a, it was a hard it, – it I don't want to say it was hard. It was challenging, and I'm always up for a challenge. Um, I just really just had to prove myself. And there were times that I had to be a little rough and tough. And uh, it's like, oh, now we're going to pick this guy because he's a he's a male chef. And I would speak up, and I would say, what makes him so much better than me? I'm like, how do you not know that my food isn't better than theirs? And it would get to the point, you know, I've done before, whereas, okay, you want to pick him because he's male? Not a problem. I'm going to do exactly what he's doing, but I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to give it to you anyway. And then you can taste and see which one you like best. Um, Pretty much showed everybody – I. I'm not afraid of a challenge um ever and if you tell me something I can't do it I'm just going to sit there and prove to you that I can do it. It doesn't matter how long it'll take me, I'm going to do it. Um it it was it was it, it was something different all the time. Um as a, you know, female, it's, you know, you just you, it it sucks sometimes. <laughs> That's all I can say. You have to pretty much prove yourself all the time until you have people that's like, you know what? She's actually pretty damn good. You know, hey, now it just becomes word of mouth.
0: So if you could give some advice to young women in the restaurant industry or considering getting into the restaurant industry who want to be chefs, what would be that that one bit of advice that you would give them?
2: Don't stop and don't allow anybody to get in your way. If they say that you can't do it, you tell them that you can. And if they say they don't want you, you tell them that yes, they do want you. And you just leave it at that. Most like, you have to understand. You have to say the things that people most of the times would not ever say out loud, but only think it. And that's me. I'm that person. I'm that person. That most of the time says the thing that other people think that would just never, ever say it out loud. So if you tell me you don't want me, you want this other guy, and I'm going to ask you, well, why? What makes him better than me? It's like they don't really know how to answer. And then when they do answer, I'm going to tell you, no, you don't want him, you want me. It's like don't tell them – don't don't expect them to tell you what you want. You tell them exactly what they want. And that's how I did it.
0: Great advice. Don't just keep going. Put your head down and be that bull. Truly, truly great advice. And you know, going through some of the great women chefs that we have had on the show and requested with Swaldi and some of the other great chefs that we've had, that's always been their attitude. They, you know, put your head down and you go straight forward and you don't take no for an answer. Back to food, a little inspiration. So obviously a lot of Latin influence going on there. What's your favorite Latin
2: dish? Bacchelius. Okay. Bast- um, converted in English, means cake, but there's no cake at all. Basteles is made out of plantains and other starchy vegetables like jugas, um What else? I can't even think. Green bananas and plantains. But green bananas and plantains are two totally different things. They're not the same exact thing. I have to let people know because I had this conversation not too long ago. You have a plantain and you have a green banana. Their plantains are way bigger than a green banana. There's two totally different things. And so, two um,
0: totally different profiles of flavor and,
2: and starchy dish as well. Exactly. And you can stuff it with meat. You can stuff it with chicken, pork, anything you like. Most of the times, I do chicken. And you eat it with hot sauce and ketchup. It sounds weird, but it is delicious. And it's actually boiled. But I have a trick to making my pasteles that I do every year. I do it during all the holidays, and uh, pasteles, uh, they're wrapped in this uh, waterproof paper that's called pastele paper. Um, Trust me, there is no other name for it. I tried to look it up with another word for it. It's literally called pastele paper, and it's just waterproof paper. It doesn't disintegrate. It doesn't tear, rip, nothing while it's boiling water. Um, However, when you make that masa, just like with meat, you want to over-season it because most of the seasoning stays on your pan when you're cooking meat. It's the same thing with a pastel. When you're boiling it, most of the flavor is pretty much going to come out from you boiling it. So I actually use my sous vide for my pasteles, and it preserves all of the flavor, and it's so good. That's well, my my secret.
0: <laughs> That's great advice. Um, I look forward to one day maybe having an opportunity to try them. So as we wind down here, how could people find out about your cooking classes, your personal chef services, and everything else that you're involved in?
2: You can check under my website is icookforyou.com, which is I cook, the number four in the letter U. And anyone can send me an email at any time. It's info at icookforyou.com. I try to keep my website schedule up to date, but most of the times you can go on the Facebook page, which is under Chef Jersey. Or my Instagram, which is also Chef Jersey, but it's J-E-R-Z-Y, Chef J-E-R-Z-Y. And that's where I actually keep up with um, all of my uh, events that I have going on. And as well as you can also just contact me in either one of those social media pages if you want to know anything about cooking classes. Um, you can choose anything. You can do Asian, which I love cooking Asian food. We could do Indian, we could do Italian, we could do French, sky's the limit, whatever you want. And what I try to tell people when they do cooking classes, try to eat something that you would not normally eat out or something that you've always wanted to try or something that you want to know how to make to make it fun. Like if you eat Italian food all the time, that's great. But pick an Italian food that you've never eaten before or you've never made. Like, I don't know, you want to know how to make gnocchi? All right, perfect, let's make something Let's make a cooking class out of gnocchi and try different sauces. It's the best way to do a cooking class.
0: I certainly agree. I also, well, what I said you, your 11 cellos, I do a event around the Chinese New Year every year in, in Chinatown here in Philadelphia that I open up to the general public. I do a 12-course aesthetic Chinese banquet. I use different restaurants every year. I would love for you to make your trek down from You know, the Princeton area and be my guest this year for, you know, join us for 12 authentic Chinese courses for dinner and uh, join us. Chef, it has been a great privilege. I look forward to having you back on the show. You are just such a wealth of knowledge and culture. Thank you so much for coming to Food Farms and Chefs and sharing what it's like to be a personal chef. People are looking for amazing meals cooked in their home for you to just reheat and do i suggest you reach out to chef jersey for people looking to learn more about cooking and take great classes again reach out great opportunity thank you so much chef have a great new year we look forward to talking to you soon philly restaurant reviews with an S. com for all information about
2: the show emmer's pilot you can find me online at AR Polycus or Amorous Pollock. And if you would like to reach out and be a guest on our show or a sponsor, you can reach me at arpollicus at gmail.com. Shep Jean
0: You can find me across social media, Gene Blum or IBFoodie2. Or you can always email me directly at IBFOODIE, the number two, at yahoo.com. That's IBFoodie2.com or IBFoodie2 at yahoo.com. We'll see you next week.